0: Today's episode is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard, but 2020 has been one of the weirdest years ever, but also one of the best golf years ever for the industry. And WorldwideGolfShops.com has all of the great gear from all of the top brands, including training aids, apparel, and accessories, everything that you need to get you on the course and playing a little bit better. So go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com today. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me all over social media at GolfUnfiltered.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the fun places that kids like to go. You can also send me an email, adam at golfandfilter.com. And And of course, you know that we are brought to you by our friends over at Cleveland, Strixon, and Zegzio. Folks, uh, we are going to have more information out about this soon. But today, at the time of this recording release, Strixon has just announced and they are launching their new ZX-5 and ZX-7 Drivers. I've had the chance to play with them for a couple months now, and boy, I got to tell you, I am so happy that we can talk about those, we can talk about the Woods, we can talk about their hybrids, and the entire Iron Line. Everything's out now, folks. And so I I just implore you to go out and take a look at those, because they are absolutely fantastic over at Srixon Golf. Uh, Speaking of equipment, today we bring on a friend of the show, Mr. Bill Bush. He is of DrivingRangeHeroes.com. He has been on the show uh, once or twice before. I forget how many times, but Bill and I have really gotten to know each other uh, pretty well over the last few months. Uh, He and our mutual friend, Chris McEwen have been uh, collaborating quite a bit uh, recently because we all live in the area, and so we've had the chance to uh, play some golf together. We've had the chance to really pick each other's brains about a number of different things. And today, uh, Bill comes on to talk a little bit more just about some of the, the gear talk that we like to have, you know, and Bill's one of those guys that, you know, he loves the game, he loves equipment, as you will, I hope, uh, surely see in the interview today, uh, but he also has a pretty good business mind about the game, and he's definitely got a lot of experience in dealing with golf equipment, uh, taking it apart, literally, we touch on that a little bit on one of his, uh, his most recent forays into old golf equipment. Uh, one of his hobbies that he has and uh, you know it's just it's good to kind of share the the common bond about not only what we do because he owns and operates his own website he reviews gear over there he co-hosts a podcast with our friend Chris McEwen that range life you want to look that up as well we talk about it in the episode here but we also understand that we just kind of do this for fun you know I think just from a from a personal side of things you know uh, highs and lows go with doing this type of thing. And I know some of you are listening to this and thinking, oh, come on, you are talking in front of a microphone sometimes and you update a few pictures on a website about golf. What could be so bad about that? Well, I think a lot of it is a matter of understanding that there is this subculture in the golf media space and we just know a very small sliver of it. I've had the opportunity to get a, a deeper look into different aspects of this uh this subculture and I gotta tell you not all of it's great <laughs> there's there is a uh don't get me wrong I I love the game I love the people in the game I've met a number of great people uh who I consider friends very close friends but as with anything in life there's good and bad parts to this thing that we do in front of a microphone sometimes and so Bill understands all of that he and I talk a lot about just a number of different topics Uh, And in today's interview, we talk specifically about some of our favorite equipment uh, from 2020. Let's not forget that this was an incredible year for the industry. Uh, A lot of new golfers went onto the golf course for the first time. A lot of new golfers bought equipment for the first time. And Bill and I review a lot of equipment. We have the chance to get our hands dirty with a lot of it. And so I hope you enjoy uh, kind of this breaking down the fourth wall a little bit um, conversation with my friend Bill Bush. Alright folks, welcome back to the show. As I mentioned at the beginning in the intro, welcoming Mr. Bill Bush, friend of the show, on to the podcast today. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to what we got here. We're going to be putting these up as much as we can. Bill, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah man, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, the uh, one of the minds behind DrivingRangeHeroes.com is probably where people will find you most recently. You've been a part of a number of different projects. How are things going over at DRH?
1: pretty good um it's been a weird as i'm sure many people watching listening and can relate as well as yourself it's been a weird year in golf and dealing with golf companies because it's been a weird year for them but um all in all it's been it's been a pretty good fun year seeing some new uh good stuff throughout the year i've had done some done a lot of things you know specifically with you and our buddy chris McEwen. Yep. um chris kmdc as we call them uh to try to keep things interesting and just keep generating content because of frankly most of the year as big as golf was this year um which i think we talked about last time i was on your podcast and mm-hmm. i i was pretty sure golf would find a way to ruin it and i think we're <laughs> on our way there but um <laughs> uh as big as the golf year has been it's still been very um slow from our, I'd say on our end of it and uh, cautious might be the Mm. right word for it. And uh, you know, to deal with that, did some really long podcasts. We've done videos, (laughs) try to find different things to different ways to look at the golf world a little bit. So uh, I think people have enjoyed it. It's been fun. It's been something different. Uh, And then you know we'll see what happens next year. Maybe it'll help us get out of that usual, insert golf equipment review here and Mm -hmm. hey did you see what happened in the pga tour last week everybody else is blogging it so am i and maybe (laughs) it'll help us break out of that mold a little bit looking forward to it
0: so this is your return to the podcast uh, and i love that little cross promotion you did for our friend chris there that was very nice of you i'm sure Mm -hmm. he would appreciate that um and if you haven't told by now, folks, uh, Bill and I, we've become pretty good friends over the last few months. Uh, we've been quarantined in our respective areas. We did have the chance to play golf recently mm-hmm. over at a uh, course nearby here. And, you know, I think it would be safe to say that your take on the golf industry in general is pretty much, would it be safe to say it's, it's, it's a hobbyist, but, but certainly more in tune than that. How would you describe your connection with the golf industry? So I would I would start at a
1: higher level. Like I love gear, they, and I think I might have referenced this the other time too. There's a show I think it used to be on IFC, you know, like after Portlandia or something. And <laughs> it was I forgot the guy's name, but something like loves gear or does gear, and he would just go around and explore the gear associated with stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess as a kid, man, I would I'll play catcher in baseball. You get all that cool gear. Hockey, all the gear, right? So I was making yeah. like, big hockey player most of my life and uh i'm really into golf gear and that's you know clubs the science of it or lack thereof depending on what you're looking at um and that's a lot of fun to me but my general like life disposition is pretty like, counter counter to golf culture in that i don't i don't care for the exclusivity i don't care care for the like the elitist part of it which we mm-hmm. often run into but at the same time as you well know I don't really enjoy the golf bro culture um I like it for the the simple the simplicity of your you're outside for a handful of hours just enjoying hey there's a duck in the lake oh a bird just flew <laughs> overhead there's a deer running across the fairway that's nice and breathing some fresh air with some buddies enjoying yourself getting a break and that's great mix that with the gear thing i'm in i don't get into the i, I mean you know how it is everybody's yeah. like always racing to have the coolest thing where I have i don't have a problem with you having the cool thing it's like making sure everybody knows you have the cool thing and they don't I, I don't i don't love that um i i tend to gravitate towards the people who just enjoy the game enjoy being a little bit of a nerd about it and um take that for what it is not the like the lifestyle and the lifestyle mm-hmm. the traditional lifestyle
0: I'll put it that way that makes sense to me and i think i relate to that which is probably why you and i get along so well and and as well as chris i mean you the two of you actually uh do a podcast uh, which is uh youtube simulcast you would so to speak is uh, that range life mm-hmm. a show sometimes about golf Right. And uh, Chris talked a little bit about it when he was on here a couple episodes ago. But what was the thought process behind that show? I know his answer, but what's your take on it? I'd be interested. I, as you know, I did not listen to that
1: episode. I, I won't do it. You. Right, right. <laughs> um, I have a story about that. Maybe another time. But, um, but uh, you know, I think that show is largely based on... At the end of the day, we uh, we have the common bond. That is golf. I'm holding a notebook in my hands, like, hey... I do this now. (laughs) That's all your Uh,
0: notes of, of golf wisdom.
1: Check. Yeah, but I do I do now. I did implement this for our YouTube show, the David Letterman cards. Ooh, look at you. Just for the sake of doing it, no other reason. Um, anyway, to answer your question, um, we at the end of the day, like we obviously are huge golf dorks, we run internet websites related to golf content where we publish things regularly. So we do care, we do like to talk about it. It is our one of our favorite hobbies, but None of us like to take it too serious and I don't like, I don't like reading, listening, uh, watching a lot of the content we even produce when I say we, the Royal, we, right. Because it is too serious. And you know, people want that. They want to learn, they want to be educated about it and that's fine. But I, I enjoy the stuff where it's like a nice casual conversation. Maybe it's about golf. Maybe you learn something and maybe it's not, maybe especially during quarantine when everything was locked down we were talking about the tv shows we were watching and ultimately it came down to like if you took two golf dorks put them in a a bar together what conversations would they have and that's what we wanted our, our youtube show to be now gets a little long in the tooth especially once golf picked up because well there's a lot of golf to talk about and we started talking about too much golf that said um I think that's what we've been trying to capture is just two normal people having a normal conversation, not trying to be like, look at me. I'm such a golf bro. Not trying to be a preachy, uh, super technical golf expert with you. But if you sat down with a friend who happened to know a lot about golf and golf equipment, what would they say to you? And that's what—that's why we say that Range of Life, a show sometimes about golf, because sometimes it is. Sometimes it might not be. It might be about the turkey I smoked for Thanksgiving for 25 minutes.
0: Nice. Yeah, I saw that. If you follow Bill on uh, Instagram or if you're a friend of his and you're so fortunate to get turkey updates texts, which I was, uh, <laughs> I was enthralled by the uh, progress
1: of that bird. It was unreal. It was unreal. Such a good, <laughs> best that,
0: one of the best things I think I've ever done on the smoker, just saying. Oh, good for you. Good for you. So you had mentioned that we do also care, uh, share that common bond in loving golf gear. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we wanted to talk a little bit today about some of our favorites from the past year. And there were a ton, especially during a year where there was just a huge golf boom in the industry. I mean, have you ever seen anything like this? I think the easy answer would be no, but because no one's seen anything like this from a from a um, sales perspective, from a um, golfer perspective, you know, people playing the game. But what has been your take over all of the the year in gear, so to speak? It's funny that you open that way because you just gave me the
1: perfect opportunity to make a point that I w- I wasn't sure I was going to work in and um it's funny because all we heard once we were you know quote unquote allowed to play golf during coronavirus was how big of a year this has been it has been for golf and seeing things unlike we've ever seen rounds played okay you know that that was one mm-hmm. thing and then people are still moving equipment there is still uh the the retail level is doing fine but then i mean it wasn't that long ago wait, you, you know better than I do, month, maybe two months, where they made the big statement of, like, they've they've just completely blown out every record of mm-hmm. equipment sales, retail sales for golf. But then in the last, definitely, like, in the last month, came out that statistic about it wasn't the regular golfers buying new gear getting the latest and greatest, it was largely goods being sold to the guys, get it guys and gals. sorry, getting Mm. into the back into the game. First people, people coming to the game for the first time, things like that. So, you know, did that equal? um, 10 zillion Callaway Mavericks were sold. Not really. The boom was a lot to the, the value sets, the box sets, or last year's model, you know, people just like, there's a lot more gear being bought, but it wasn't necessarily like the annual turnover and the newest stuff, the greatest stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that stuff did sell a little more, but it wasn't the the regular every year spender mm-hmm. that was blowing up that record. It was the new players with new gear to get back going. And that segues into caught really I caught my eye where the value brands and by value brands, it doesn't mean that bad gear. It means... Right. They aren't putting out a six hundred dollar driver. Their driver might be three hundred, three fifty, two, one. I want to talk about two hundred and thirty dollars. Um, so companies like Tourage probably mm-hmm. being a leader in that. And people are, if you follow me at all, you're sick of me talking about Tourage. But I mean, they've absolutely had a killer, absolutely have had a killer year, and the gear stand, you know, the gear and the sales all stand behind and support that. Yep. But uh, sub seventy guys out in sycamore illinois they do a straight to consumer model and it's all way more affordable gear but it's really good too and Mm -hmm. they've had big years and i think it's been a great opportunity for companies like them to thrive because let's be honest it's also been a very questionable year with unemployment going up and down and sales numbers for other businesses being down which drive paychecks for golfers and they can't go spend 600 bucks on a driver but maybe they'll spend 230 so yeah um that's been a big thing I really noticed. And it'll be interesting to see going forward. God, you know, God, hoping that the world stabilizes a little and returns back to normal. Will those guys continue to, now that they've caught eyes in this, this weird year, Mm -hmm. they continue to blossom the way they are. Um, I hope so. There's a lot of good stuff in that area. And I think you think of how expensive golf is now, and that's another big criticism of golf how expensive it is. Maybe this will be these, these types of companies will start writing that ship again and bringing that cost up. I don't know. You know, that's where, Hey, I'm just a golf blog guy. Take it easy. <laughs> what do we know? Yeah. Right. right.
0: I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the two brands that you mentioned, and, and there are many others and we'll talk about probably a few more here, but even tour edge, like you mentioned, they had one of their biggest launches ever. We had uh, Don Claffey on not too long ago on the show and talking about uh, everything with, um, you know, everything that's going well with their brand. And you know they're they're certainly you know they have a tour presence. Yep they've got a great uh, they've got a great tour presence on the uh, the Champions Tour, and from what we understand, they're also in a number of bags at the Masters. And so you know they're doing a great job with not only getting the marketing out to the demographic, you know, the more affordable high quality equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, which listeners and viewers, we should say that it's it's that's different than saying it's cheap. Because Tour Edge is anything but that. I mean, they, they put a lot of tech into what they do. Uh, another so, uh, Chicago company, by the way, out here in Batavia. Yep. And then Sub70 themselves, I mean, yeah, they take a completely different look at everything. They've been on the podcast a couple times. And yeah, they're, they're a lot more affordable, direct-to-consumer. Probably people new to the game are gravitating to both of those companies and others, which shouldn't be surprising. And to your point about next year, do you feel that, we will continue to see more new golfers or just we've caught people have caught the bug. And now we've just got a larger
1: pool of people playing the game. I mean, I don't think we're going to keep seeing the growth by any means. Like frankly, I just don't, there's not enough people to grow that much that and continue it. And let's be honest, you have to survive now approximately six months of winter in North America. Right. So, right. which is a huge base for golf purchasing. So uh all these people who went out and bought their you know last year's tour edge hot launch four to get back into the game, are they gonna is is uh April gonna roll around and the Masters is on and everybody has that same bug again, or you know, are they gonna go, you know what? I got too much on my plate. I yeah. I'm not going back to golf yet.
0: That was something
1: I did during quarantine, you know. Yeah, or it's like I just forgot how much I did enjoy it, and there's enough, you know, knock on wood here. There's enough other stuff going on because we're trending that direction in the world. There's enough other stuff going on that it's not the one thing I'm allowed to do. Yeah. So I'll be. I don't. I think that'll be. That's and this is where you know, hopefully golf, Golf, are you listening? Right. <laughs> that golf goes. Let's not so much worry about just pressing, 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 and come up with good ways to retain the new audience we picked up this year. Like you and I are still going to golf. They don't yep. the golf. Golf does not have to worry about, are we going to go find our rounds or whatever course this year? Are we still going to be interested in playing at sand Valley or whistling Straits? Like we still are. It's a case of, well, that guy who's like, you know what? I used to play, I, you know, I've been doing this all summer. I want to go play a cool course. Is that guy going to come back and go do those things and why and if the, he isn't why isn't he what do you got to do for him yeah and i bet that's you there's a lot awesome. of like wives and girlfriends you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. my wife's something for her you know she's like you know i i golf every now and then but this year i could do it more like will she be incentivized to come back will it sound inviting to her next year too she doesn't care she hates like she borderline hates it because i love it so much i don't blame <laughs> her but yeah how do you keep all those people coming back and i think that's what golf needs to focus on because i think even if they can't grow, like if they, I love, I call it. They like, it's really someone if golf continues to grow, like it did this year and they can retain even what a quarter of that, it's going to be better than the golf industry has been in decades. Sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a, maybe a decade and a half, like tiger, the tiger woods boom effect. That's a pretty big one.
0: Yeah, that, that was pretty big. And you know, it's it, when we see a lot of releases that came out this year. You know, we mentioned uh, you know Tour Edge sub seventy, of course. You know, at the time of this recording, when it gets released, released,rixon would have come out with uh, their new ZX five and ZX seven drivers, as long along with their irons. And you know, Callaway's got a bunch of stuff. Mizuno had a big launch this year. They've just got a lot of great stuff coming out. The price points haven't really gone down at all for some of the bigger names yet. We still saw a lot of people getting into the game. And to your point earlier, it was interesting. You know, big time golf media guys here folks. We were talking a little bit about something nerdy like search engine optimization the other day. Mm-hmm. And do you have a guess, Bill, in 2020 what the most uh searched term is golf related? I just found this out this morning. I'm putting search, you on the spot. Here. Like one word? No, a phrase. What would you what would you guess that is? Uh how
1: to break how to break 80, how to break 90, whatever or That's
0: actually a really good guess or um, how to not slice the ball. That's those are good guesses. Um and they were up there Re- equipment r- wise, it was used golf equipment. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Hmm. yeah. The mo- yeah, the most <laughs> the most searched. Um okay. which is interesting because now people want to get into it and so that speaks a lot to the second hand market as well. No, I'm not kidding. You well you know the like
1: the parts of the hobby I'm into. Oh yeah, me too. That plays very well for a lot of the gear I like to blog, not review, blog about. Mm-hmm. Noted. Noted. And now I'm kicking myself I'm like, I've been doing this for seven years. Right. I've never thought that's something I got to capture. Even yeah. for someone to show up to my site I'm like, oh, it's not what I thought it was. Like, whatever. You still clicked it.
0: Well, right. Well, you and I <laughs> go to like, well, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you do this because I've seen, <laughs> you've shown me some of the things that you've bought recently. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll go to Goodwill. I'll go right to the rack of golf clubs. Yep. and I'll see what they got and even I'll buy something I absolutely don't need but I'm gonna try to break it at home yeah you know, and just see what I can do with it and you were showing me that you were messing around with a what was it, an old Ben Hogan yep. set with the pins I didn't even know they had pins oh God it's an
1: it was i I can't decide if it' was really the nightmare I made it or I just need to go buy some different tools but I mean my finger is still a disaster from it. And it for those who don't know i I I didn't just burn the like the pad of my index finger. Right, the like the, the absolute tip of it. Yeah. I mean, I like branded it like a, a a cow that I'm putting out to my pasture. <laughs> like it is just
0: just burnt. You took a knuckle off, I think, is what the way you put it to me. Oh, so and it's, it hurts so bad, <laughs> so inconvenient, and hurts so bad. But but I mean, I think that just speaks to hobbyists like us who want to try and do that type of stuff because we just simply can't get enough golf. I mean, even. Li- uh, viewers to this video are seeing behind you you've got what four golf bags full of gear at least
1: five. five oh five. Yeah, five five bags i got two more got an empty-ish one here because long story mm-hmm. and i have two more outside the door oh wow just from, get in. well one of them is because i use it actually one of them's my minimal bag shout Ooh. out adam unfiltered mm-hmm. for turning me on to those guys
0: <laughs> yeah, and then good.
1: um the other one is maybe we'll, you know, I think we'll get to them is my bag of Tour Edge Hot Launch 521 gear hmm. from the big match with Chris McHugh and I had last week. So that you know I don't have room for that. It's newly brought on gear. What am I supposed to where am I supposed to put it?
0: Yeah, I got no I got no Dukes. What am I supposed to do with it? Um, <laughs> right. So you you do you do love yourself some Tour Edge. This wasn't about to be a conversation about Tour Edge, but let's go down that path because we've mentioned him a few times. What do you like so much about him?
1: It, I I I try to be pretty open about it that I am a recent convert. I mean, they've always been on my radar. They are they were literally born at the golf course I grew up playing, Village Links of Glen Allen, where we played, and um, they so my whole life they've always been in the pro shop. They've always been what all the guys there were playing, et cetera. And I never put in my bag for one reason or another. Then of course I hit that like huh. tour edge bazooka who do you think i am i'm a big time golf guy i don't play that garbage (laughs) and you know i went through that whole phase of life and then i hit that later where it's like no i understood people are really into the well frankly even in the especially like in the early to mid 2000s right guys were winning on the big tour with it Mm -hmm. uh brant snedeker had it in the bag when he came out there it was highly regarded their their fairway woods and hybrid hybrids were Heavily regarded as some of the best in the game, up there with you know all the Adams stuff at the time, and I'm like, all right, but you know I'm a, I'm a hot shot. I have the coolest new Callaway Cobra, whatever. Or I'm also you got to go back to like when before Cobra got bought by Puma and they were like the redheaded stepchild of Titleist at a right. Cushnet. Yep, I'm like, no, no, I'm different. I'm you know I'm a snowflake. I'm playing Cobra Fairway Woods. <laughs> Fast <laughs> forward. Yeah. <me> <laughs> Post <laughs> post Baffler, I you know okay okay yeah like the, the uh, LTD yeah oh well, for sure three and five but they were all, they st- I would still play those they're awesome but uh it really wasn't until Drive Range Heroes came around that I reached out and I said hey I live down the street I'm doing this I have experience uh I'd like to get tour edge stuff going and I got trying to think what the f- so the first things I got through here were the EXS line the original one and then the CBX. Um, 119 stuff, and I was like, "Jeez, this stuff's like, frankly, it's amazing." Well, especially the hybrids and fairway woods. So that's going like in my bag, and really is a big eye opener. And here I'm going to be this guy, if it's okay. Yeah, sure. I, over the years of doing this, I am fortunate. I get to hit a lot of different golf clubs. I get to play at a lot of different golf clubs. And you could, there's an easy argument. And I guess Chris says, I could have anything I want in my golf bag for the sure. most part. I mean, National Custom Works isn't sending me 4500 buck irons for free or anything, but I'm just saying I know of the stuff it's there. I could go get it, buy it, do it with the website, whatever. But I started going putting this tour edge stuff head to head with the stuff I was previously playing, and it was just blowing it out of the water. Yeah. And then you know, everyone's like, Oh, it's easy, you get it for free. Well, of course, you say I'm like, Well, no. That's not how it works. Some, you know, they might go here. I can give you a three wood. and I go, wow, this three wood's great. I am going to buy a five wood from you or like, Hey, I've really enjoyed this hybrid. I want to buy another one. Or, um, I beat the living daylights out of it. I want a new one. Let me buy it. You know? So it, it just, it's just that good. And obviously if you're buying it, it's affordable compared to the rest of the market. Um, but i think it's one of those things where it just doesn't get the attention it deserves and it's it's just it legitimately is that good i've had let me see well i think of the EXS 220 fairway wood this year sure. which was on my list of like it's my probably my favorite club to come out of this year um, i told agree. i told chris he was an idiot if he didn't put it in his bag and play his 3 wood and he's like oh, okay all right whatever And he's like he's, he he saw me play with it once he's like god that thing sounds amazing but whatever then he gets it to review for uh, Chris McEwen's projects. Yeah. And he's like, Oh my God, this thing's amazing. And then yeah. you're, you're on. All right. All right. You are you are alright alright you 2 both think this thing's good. Or what, you know, what uh, Kool-Aid are you drinking here? And then it comes through the uh, golf unfiltered headquarters and works through that organiz- organization, hockey player. Yeah. And they, it, all of you guys are like, Oh my God, this thing's amazing. And that happens all the time with them. That, that like, if you give it a chance, you're like, "Geez, this stuff's a real deal," and it's only as the company's been growing in these last five years. Like, it's only getting better. I I remember Hot Launch Three, right? Yeah, it was fine. It was very good for the money, but this new Hot Launch Five Twenty One stuff. I don't know if John said this on your show or talked about it much when he was just on, but he was telling Chris and myself that it is very much closing the gap between their premium stuff and their quote value clubs and Chris and I just brought all of it out and he I mean he's not lying it's it's incredible gear and then when you start looking at it's $89 for a single iron with a Fubuki graphite shaft in it you're it's incredible value it really
0: is I mean you're essentially paying for like 80% of that is the shaft
1: right that's what I said but either like yeah but we're really it's all he's like we're like shooting ourselves in the foot with it to an extent because it is that good and we could charge more but we don't because we want to get the right gear in people's hands we want to sell this gear and get our name out there like look we don't we don't want to be in rory's hands or dustin's hands coming down you know the fairway on the 18th hole winning some tournament i mean don't get me wrong they wouldn't turn that away but they're they're catering they are catering with this gear to the people who are started who started golfing this year who aren't any good but go well i'm allowed to golf i mean the stuff we we this 521 stuff that was like comes out in my reviews it's a cheat code it's incredible <laughs> how easy it makes the game even if you're bad so i think they get that and they've really figured out how to dial in the quality and i mean let's face it a lot of other brands out there have made that like Mid range, you just want to get into the game, but you don't want to spend five hundred dollars on a driver, a thousand dollars on a set of irons, right? But it it looks like it, it feels like it, and it's definitely cheap. Tour Edge is now getting to a point where they're offering that same price point in that same like category, but it's really good.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of new golfers have that sticker shock right out out of the gate. I know I've got a few uh, people that I work with at my uh, my day job, and their their husbands were actually getting into the game for the first Mm -hmm. time they had never played before. And they're like, where can I go buy used golf clubs? And I'm like, well, consider, consider brands like this. You can probably get a brand new set and, you know, probably similar price to a really good set of used clubs. Why, why not buy new look at tour edge, look at a few other places. And they're better.
1: And they're probably better fit for your game than like, well, this is a good deal on some used, insert brand name iron or bigger brand name iron here that you like just because oh i know titleists they they make they, they're supposed to make great stuff it's like yeah but you're terrible why are you playing a muscle bag like why are you buying a muscle bag or you could go buy this game improvement set from tour Edge. It's designed for you for significantly less how often do you get i get this like because you i'm sure like me you're the golf guy you have all the golf answers for oh, anybody. all the time right so Hey, you know, I want to get new clubs, and you know, I know you can buy, you know, hashtag used clubs for cheaper. Um, I want a thousand dollars, thousand dollars to get a full full bag, bag wedges, putter, everything, and you can't do it anymore. No, even in even in the used market. I mean, I have, I have a set of, uh, you know, I was doing the big gear purge. I have a set of Callaway, two thousand eighteen Callaway Apex Apex Muscle back heads, right. Mm-hmm. I could sell just those heads somewhere around like $500. Oh, easily. And that's insane. Yeah. It's a golf club. And I mean, I'll take it. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> you know, when you think of that, like that just tells you how expensive this stuff is and it's sort of like it's a for what? Whereas yeah. I've used them. I've I've bent them. Done whatever, right? Tour Edge can go be like, "Well, here's a nice new set of irons. It's super forgiving, very long and just easy to hit offset so you don't slice the ball. $500 brand new, yeah. Or you can have my shitty old bent butter knife heads that you can't hit, like it's, it's just not worth it. So, if you can go, a lot of these brands right now it's, they're making great stuff at great deals, and you can go spend $800 and get a full set, yeah. Even like even tour edges box sets are better than. And they're very affordable, and it's like they're still better than the Walter Hagen crap you're buying at Dick's. Or, I don't even know
0: who the box sets are anymore. I think you could still get them at Walmart. I don't know. I mean, I think Golf Galaxy, if there's one in your town, mm-hmm. I don't even know if they're a thing anymore. I think they have a few. But, you know, it's interesting what you said about, you know, yeah, I, by the way, I am that person that people turn to. If it's not a question about who do you like in the U.S. Open this week, it's usually – yeah. You know, I'm, and I'm a much better gambler than I am a golf blogger. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's usually exactly what you just said. How do I get the most for my money? And my usual response to a question of, well, I got $1,000. What do I spend it on? Is, well, do you want something within the last five years? Because yeah. if the answer is yes, then sorry, you got to pump that up a little bit. For a right. full bag, I mean, that's
1: ridiculous. Well, and then you run into like, do you need that? Right. And it's... Right. as i've learned as i learned this past weekend you don't need it you don't need something from the last five years it was new gear but i'm saying like these all the fancy new innovations like when you start getting down to the basics you're not looking for fancy innovations you're really looking for kind of tried and true designs done well
0: and affordably that's usually the name of the game right that's what you want you want to go out there and enjoy the game And of all the clubs that we take a look at, and I know that we could probably talk about a number of them that we Mm -hmm. looked at this year. You had mentioned the EXS uh, 220 was something that really stood out to you. Anything else that stood out? Uh, So that was a big one. One of them,
1: and I said you're of of the value club. And again, like you said, doesn't mean cheap. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sub-70 irons have really caught my eye, and I don't think that's necessarily a really unique and novel take. A lot of people would agree with that same statement, but I mean, they're forged. They're not going to tell you that anything different. They're forged over in China, with you know, they help design them too. It's not like they're not involved in it, but by doing it straight to consumer, you're you're getting these good forged irons for, frankly, dirt cheap. The prices are stupid low for these clubs. You're talking like a full forged set of irons for less than five hundred dollars cavity backs when you have players irons you have game improvement irons you really have the full thing and I would tell you it's one of those things like I knew about them last year but this year is the first year I had like my the full exposure to them and I mean it's it's wild how
0: inexpensive they are for how good they are and you know yeah I and I like I mean I like them I, I had a chance to go out to Sycamore like you mentioned and I went to HQ uh, Jason out there, uh, does a good job. Uh, it's Jay and Jason, right? If I remember, yeah, yeah. With you yep. guys, right. Um, you know, and I, I, always, I often wonder about brands like them because they're not the only direct to consumer brand, but mm-hmm. you even mentioned in the self, I mean, it, clubs made over in China, they come over. I mean, do golfers really care where they come from? Because I mean, you and I both know that something like near net forgings, for example, that's something that happens all the time. And it's, it's not a bad thing. I think people hear that phrase sometimes and they think of it as like a criticism, but that's, that's just simply not the case
1: here. I'll put it to you this way. My favorite thread I jump into on golf WRX all the time or threads, I should say, are when people start complaining about who's making whose putter heads. Right. And they'll be like, this is clearly someone else forging this head and I'm not going to buy it. And then they're like, Byron Morgan, I'm going to buy him. Because he makes his own putter heads and someone's like, uh, or I'm sorry, forgings, milled, whatever, right? And they're yeah. like, actually, Byron only mills some of his heads. Like, people don't understand the way the putter business has worked forever, unless your name's Bob Bettinardi, right? Because what little small fact there, Bettinardi putters isn't his his, like, meal ticket. You were telling me that the other day. Yeah, he he's like he's heavily involved in other parts of American milling, which is and it's great. It's good stuff. He's he is by far one of the best millers in the golf world. Not taking that away from him. I'm not a big bet nerdy guy, but like you can't you. It's just the truth. But most of these guys, Scotty Cameron, he's not milling his own heads. Um, this, most of these guys like come up with their CAD designs or whatever and then have somebody else do the milling for them. Then you start seeing these WX guys like he doesn't mill his own heads, I'm not gonna buy them. It's like well, Scotty hasn't, and you're telling me how good a circle T from 2010, like you know, I think that's uh that's the big thing. So if you start getting into well, they had some some place forge these irons for them in China, it's not really their own like forging house. I got news for you, none of them are, you know. Endo forgings does like five different companies, right? So that I think that's where it's really you're getting over like marketing stigmas or whatever right that you don't know the name sub 70 reflexively you know the name ping you know the name Titleist, and i mean you start running into scotty cameron does this right he puts out a bunch of like just junk but it's scotty cameron it's worth 400 500 you just it's scotty cameron he knows what he's doing so i think like I almost without realizing, take it upon myself. And I think it is with tour edge sub 70, you know, these guys I've really like grown to like the gear of Never mind the people, which I do like, um, it's going, you got to get over the marketing stuff, the big names, the brand names, they don't get me wrong. They all make good gear too, but that doesn't mean because this guy is having someone forge a firm in China and says, I am not forging this in Sycamore or with a like sub 70 specific, which has, you know, forging house in China, like doesn't mean it's bad stuff. Right. Exactly. Sub 70 is a good example. Cause I know a little bit about it. Like they are involved in the design process yeah. and the final product and prototype testing. like they, which a lot of these uh, for lack of a better term template companies aren't, they're just buying a manufactured head by somebody else pressing their name on it. Right. They aren't even involved in design and looks whatsoever with sub 70 is. And then they have a dedicated, company over there who does it so it's not just like it's contracted to five different places to do it they contract this place to make this club and then they work with engineers there to do it yeah i think that's like can that's no different it's no different than the bigger companies they do the exact same thing so why do you think
0: and i i know we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here and i and everything you you've just said totally agree with you know you and i have talked about it you know ad nauseum but why do you think those threads at you know, the big time golf websites, you know, like WRX, whatever they, they have an issue with it. Is it because it's just a matter of, you know, we've, we've kind of transitioned from the new players getting into the game for the first time. They just want a new set of clubs. And now we're talking about nerds like you and me who go down like four different rings of hell (laughs) into the, into the golf nerddom. And then all of a sudden we get this uppity snobby element of, Oh no, I need something that's been milled in the USA which I am a you know, let's just say it. I mean, I'm a big veterinarian guy. I, I love them. Um, but, and I understand that there are some that don't mm-hmm. like that, but I think there's from different reasons as well. But why do you think there's that mentality that, you know, I need something this way. And it only really exists, at least in my purview in golf. I'm sure there are probably other industries.
1: I feel like you're right. I think this is more of a big, like eco- political economic thing in the yeah. world in general, but it will keep it specific to golf. And I think it's tough because there are there are guys who do milling in the U.S. who are just the the product is better because of it. And I think Bettinardi is a good example. Um, Betnardi Betnardi is awesome at milling milling a putter. It's going to be better. So yeah, if every if everybody milled their their putters in the U.S. and did it the way he did it, man, would it be better and worth buying? But they don't. Mm-hmm. So and that's fine. But just because you. I mean think let's take like forging an iron for example if you were only forging which there's like climate issues related to why we don't do it in the US anymore but if you're right. only if you use that that methodology or that mindset for forging an iron you couldn't buy any irons you're going to tell me then all these irons being these mizuno irons that are forged in like Taiwan now they're not all in Japan right or you're going to tell me well, mirror irons must not be good. They're not They're not forged in the U.S. or forged in Japan. Like, hmm. As much as the people love to get on that high horse about it has to be milled in the U.S., you think if you thought like this, it's going to cut out so much of the good golf industry to you. And it comes down to, I, I think, and the forum specifically, because I don't think every golfer is like this by any means, but the guys starting these threads and going into these dork rabbit holes that you and I go into, it's really, I feel like it's just to be heard. Mm-hmm. And just to like, they just want to live in this fantasy land that everybody's Bob Bettinardi and God bless them. Not everybody is Bob Bettinardi. They're not. Yeah. And not everybody, not everybody has like a second half of their milling business to float. I think Tyson lamb's one that's been coming up a lot lately. Right. Like, Yeah. He's milling out, uh, ball markers and repair tools and having someone make him a head cover. It's, he's not even cranking out the putters that much,
0: but, well, like Swag, too. I mean, they I, if I remember right, they were, w- were they an ex-employee of Betonardi? Yeah. Okay. And so they, and I think they make like three putters a year and they supplement everything with head covers. Yeah. And it, and the model it works, works, but it's, it's like, you can't tell
1: me, I mean, I, I have, I have some putters that have been milled in England. I have putters that have been milled for companies in England, but made in China or somewhere else and they're fantastic like like Vega Vega is another company mm-hmm. that they're not as big as they used to be but they may they make incredible stuff and it's it might be forged or forged in China milled in China whatever they're doing it's not a bad club like it's good except that it's a good club and I get if you want to like look if you're one of those people that's like I support made in America anywhere I can for sure do it but sure. I think going down these rabbit holes of like oh, I'm not buying this boutique putter maker because he doesn't mill his own heads like fine <laughs> guess what 95 percent of the people who are going to buy from that guy are still going to buy from that guy that this no. was it that is it this is like a deep golf door rabbit hole
0: so let me pull us out of it a little and yeah. I know that we're, we're like up against the clock here too and once again folks we're talking to uh mr bill bush he is uh one of the 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 brains behind driving range heroes what else you got going on coming up? I know we didn't really talk too much about the uh the favorites of 2020, but what do you got going on at DRH these days? Um we have it's that time of year. It's
1: it's interesting cuz everybody's start starting to talk about the new gear for next year, but it's not the pipeline is not necessarily flowing yet, so we don't have don't have a ton of reviews lined up, but um Chris and I have some that range life production stuff in mind that we're going to work on. Um, we do have a good review coming in two weeks and I was going to talk about it here, but I don't, you know, I don't, we didn't get to it was the, uh, the new project X hazardous smoke RDX shaft line. Ooh, people go crazy for project X stuff and especially hazardous. And I, I'll tell you what, you can go find a lot of stuff on the smoke black RDX Go, yep. No, just to say the blue one, you're not seeing as much. I'm leave it at that because I want I want the searches. But we have <laughs> I have the review going up for that. And uh I don't know when you're releasing this, but Monday the 14th, I'll just say that. Okay, and that thing is pretty neat, especially for like the big, you know, I need low launch, low spin, stout shaft bomber guys out there these days. Like this is a good one, but uh yeah, that's pretty much it. Just finding a way to keep things running until the spring when golf peps up again maybe do some uh virtual pga show watching in between there
0: yeah i think that's on deck for us too uh, i still have to decide whether or not i want to do that maybe uh we'll do some things those evenings kind of have like our own little virtual uh <laughs> right? review the virtual pit or whatever have a few drinks and whatnot and we'll do this again soon so all right once again that's mr bill bush he's of drivingrangeheroes.com bill thanks so much for uh coming on i'm sure you'll be uh seeing more of these two faces on YouTube in the future, as well as hearing our voices uh, once again. So thanks again, sir. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man.